Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Today, our exploration of the character of Jesus continues with a new episode uh, led by our pastoral intern, Rita Argus. What's even more special, Rita brings her sister, Kara, on and gives you this great conversation with both a theological lens as well as, you know, Kara's experience in more of the business world. And so it'll be a really fun and exciting conversation. I really appreciate both of them taking that time to record this. And they're talking about how Jesus is a miracle worker or just thinking about that and specifically thinking about Jesus's miracle of calming the storm. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you learn something new from their two perspectives and that all of these podcasts in this Epiphany series give you new ways of thinking about who Jesus is for you. But now, without further ado, I'm turning it over to Kara and Rita. Hello, everyone. My name is Kara Argus. I am Rita's three-year younger sister. Three-year younger? What? I like that you said three-year younger. Yeah? No, I... Context. That was good. It's good. Yeah, so Kara is my younger sister. I also have a younger brother. Hello, everyone. My name is Rita. I'm the pastoral intern here at Bethany. And Kara generously agreed to record this podcast, a little Bible study thing that we're doing with me. And so we're going to dive into the text right away and kind of talk through a miracle story. And this is going along with our our theme of looking at the different roles that were presented with Jesus. And so in this one, we're really going to look at Jesus, the miracle worker. And in the Gospel of Luke, which is the gospel that we're focusing a lot on this year, uh, we really get two different subsets of miracles. So we have the healing miracles, uh, which is possibly going to be a topic of a future podcast. Um, but we also get these physical miracles is the best way that I could describe them. I don't know if that makes complete sense to you, Kara, but uh, <laughs> I was trying to make a difference between the healing miracle and like the physical one. And so what I mean by that is um, we heard Pastor Nate talk a couple weeks ago about turn- Jesus turning water into wine. And so that would be a physical miracle. Uh, or we have the one that we're going to dive in today, which is Jesus calming a storm. Uh, which I also like am calling a physical miracle. Okay. I guess maybe you could also call them non biological miracles. <laughs> of course, coming from the science person. <laughs> <laughs> maybe people need that context too. <laughs> Hello, I work as a research scientist that people don't know in biology. So, yeah. <laughs> Kara's going to bring the, the science aspect of this. So. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So, before we uh, really dive into the text, do you want to read through um, this chapter? We're looking at Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. Yeah, and I have my, to have my Bible right here, like it was planned or something. Wow, it's <laughs> like I told you that you were going to read this. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Jesus calms the storm. One day he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they put out, and while they were sailing, he fell asleep. A windstorm swept down on the lake, and the boat was filling with water, 
and they were in danger. They went to him and woke him, shouting, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he woke up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. They ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? They were afraid and amazed. And he said to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <laughs> All right. So, well, we're going to kind of use Lectio Divina to dive into this text, um, which is a, a way of looking at a text in a kind of Bible study manner. It just gives you a structure to look at it look at the text at. Um, and so in that, uh, the first part is narrative. So we're going to look at what is going on in the text and around the text. And so around the text is pretty easy. So this is in Jesus's ministry. He is uh, called disciples, you know, the fishermen, which is very fitting. Uh, we'll get into a little bit later that this is taking place on a boat. So it's a place where his disciples would have been familiar with and whatnot. Uh, but this is generally still fairly early on in his ministry. Um, he's done some healing uh, miracles like we talked to before. He's done some teaching. He, you know, coming before this, we have a lot of the parables. So you have, you know, the parable of the sower who uh, spreads out seed and um, and it, some of it's trampled on, some of it falls on the rocks and some of it grows up. You know, so we have a lot of those like parable teaching stories and whatnot. And then uh, after this, we get into Jesus's transfiguration, and then we start down the road towards uh, pointing us towards the cross and the um, death and resurrection. And so this kind of happens almost like smack dab in Jesus, Jesus's ministry in the gospel of Luke. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so then, Kara, do you want to take what's kind of going on in this story? Yeah. It's uh, it took me a little bit to figure out exactly what to say about what's going in the text because it's almost too simple, right? It's mm -hmm. they're on a boat. Yeah. There's a storm. Jesus says, "Yo, cut it out, storm!" And they're all like, "Whoa, <laughs> he can do that, right?" So it's yeah. it's kind of a really simple thing. So it's like I don't know if there's anything else, but I kind of finally summarized it as far as Jesus calms the storm and Jesus calms the disciples. Mm, I like that. So, and it's, you know, in kind of those two different ways of putting it. But, yeah, it's a pretty straightforward story, at least on its surface. Yep, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's the, the big piece of the narrative one is it's looking at that surface level um, and looking at just what's generally going on. And it doesn't have to be really deep or anything like that. Just kind of getting a sense of where we're at in the story, in this gospel, and like in then in this little um, mini pericope, which is your 10 cent word for the day, which means a subset of text. So it's just a chunk of text from the gospel. So again, that word is pericope. So now you can impress everyone with that. So how come on Sundays it's not, uh, you know, instead of a reading, it's not a pericope? Because most people don't know what pericope means. And we're trying uh. to like, you know, make it <laughs> accessible to lots of people and saying the reading rather than the pericope. That's why I said it's a 10 cent word. You know, Sunday we don't want to charge. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so now that we kind of have a sense of narratively what's going on, let's dive into our second piece, which is allegory. So this is 
what sticks out to us in the text. And so I think from our notes, we kind of have uh, three each or so things that stick out to us. So we can kind of go back and forth. So starting for me, uh, what first stuck out to me was the line, they were afraid and amazed and said to one another, who is this then that he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. Uh, And the reason this really stuck out to me was because if we think again, like I was saying in the narrative part of what is going on around in the text, uh, Jesus has healed people and has done other miracles um, and has been teaching. And yet the disciples are shocked by like this miracle. (laughs) Um, You know, even though they've seen him touch a person and they've gotten up and like, or uh, has cast out demons and that kind of thing. It's, it's so fascinating when it's out, when we ever run up against where, you know, people are all of a sudden really amazed, like, oh, well, like, healing was okay, but this, I don't know, I think this might be going too far. Um, and so I think that's really why that was, was sticking out to me. Yeah. Um, so one of the things, the first things that stuck out to me was the whole fact that, you know, Jesus fell asleep. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the whole story is like, hey, everyone, let's get in this boat and go across the lake. Um, and I guess part of it, too, is with the falling asleep is when I think of a lake, I don't think of that large of a body of water because, um, mm. you know, there's lots of lakes, but they're usually pretty small. And so the fact that the journey was long enough that in a boat, which is also usually pretty, you know, even in calm weather is not this most stable thing, that he fell asleep. And so it was mm. just kind of really stuck out to me. With that, so obviously it must have been a bigger lake than what I originally pictured, um, but yeah, just the whole fact that he's just like, "All right, let's all do this thing," and then just zonked out. Yeah, maybe it was a great lake rather than you know a little, uh, a little true, pond. true. They were going from the top of Lake Michigan to the bottom rather than side to side. Yeah, yeah. All right. I mean, maybe that also links back to, you know, we have all the parables come before this. And so Jesus was teaching a lot. So maybe this was just him taking his liturgical nap, you know, after he he taught uh, and was preaching, you know, he got tired and had to take take a nap (laughs) after all of that. Uh, For me, the second thing that really stuck out to me, which I kind of alluded to earlier, was um, this reflecting on the disciples being fishermen and that were in a boat and on a lake. And so this is a a place where they would have been, most of them would have been really familiar with. Like they, you know, oftentimes went out and went fishing. And um, so they would have been really familiar with the boat, really familiar with sailing, um, you know, really familiar with the danger that storms bring when you're on a boat. Um, And so I thought that was also kind of interesting of reading in that of like, this is a place that they're really familiar and then understanding their anxiety and fear and stuff that we'll get to a little bit later. Uh, and so being in this comfortable place, but then also having fear in that. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. I hadn't made that connection yet. So that's kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. and the next one that kind of stood out to me was the, and there was a calm. Um, and I don't know, just the, succinctness of that sentence again it was I'm just kind of putting the story into pictures as I'm reading you know it's 
Uh, oh gosh, I'm going to make a reference here to Veggie Tales. Um, I think it's from Jonah. <laughs> I think it's from Jonah that I'm thinking of, where like he's on the boat with the storm, and then, uh, or is it? I, now I'm forgetting. But there's some Veggie Tales where there's a giant <laughs> boat with a storm, and they're about to. Oh, it's the, the pirates. Yeah, so it is Jonah, and they go to kick him off yeah. the boat, and as soon as he's in the water, it's just whoosh, like calm waters, <laughs> and like the little rubber duck comes floating out because it's Veggie Tales, and they have to make it cute and fun for kids. Love it. Of course. Um, yeah. But it just was like, you know, it felt like so much of like flicking on a switch to, and there was a calm, which mm. in itself just kind of plays into that whole like miracle side of it, right? It wasn't then the storm subsided or the storm began to calm down. It was, there was a calm. And it's mm. like, you know, I'm thinking again back to lakes and other places I know, it's really uncommon for you to just like look out across the water and not see a ripple or a wave of some sort. And yeah. that word calm is just bringing again that vision of just almost looks like glass, like it's almost ice because it's just smooth and nothing is happening with that calm. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I'm curious too what this would have looked like from someone on the shore too. Was this storm following the boat or was it taking up the whole lake and uh if you had no context for there being a storm and then suddenly not a storm what would it have looked like yeah because <laughs> um, like you know too you can see uh when storms come in you know you can see when the especially if it's during the day and you see the sun breaking through you kind of get a sense that like, okay the storm is almost past but like you were saying, where it was, you know, the storm and all of a sudden a calm. So it's, you know, a storm and then all of a sudden just gone. You don't get that um, slowly fading away. It's just more um, a binary of a storm, no storm. Yeah. Uh, the third and final thing that I had was uh, Jesus rebuking the wind. Uh and I more just was looking at this because it was interesting that he woke up, he rebuked the wind. So just, just imagining him yelling at the wind and waves, um, like, you know, and to make another nerdy reference, Gandalf of like, you shall not pass. <laughs> He's like, you shall be calm. Um, Perfect. And, uh, but then, you know, I think he kind of takes almost the same tone with, the disciples when he turns to them and says where is your faith um and so we have this rebuking of of nature and the wind and whatnot and then also the rebuking of the disciples and so i was just looking at that parallel between uh jesus like talking to essentially the um the natural things that were going on and also talking to the disciples yeah and that's i mean almost really well parallel with the, my last one which was where is your faith and like that sentence actually almost made me a little bit uncomfortable. And it's something I mm -hmm. wanted to ask you about because, you know, to me, it seems like in this story, like, yeah, the storm comes and then they go, you know, Jesus, we're scared. We think the boat's going to fall over, you know, tip over, or like we're going to drown. And so they wake him up and say, help us, help us. And it seems like he's mad at them almost with this, where is your faith for asking for his help? And so mm -hmm. it was, that was like a little one that I struggled with as far as like, it just kind of goes, at least in the sense that I'm looking at at the beginning, it kind of goes against the most teaching, which is that like, you know, turn to God, turn to Jesus, he'll take mm -hmm. care of everything. 
and so I don't know it was Oh, yeah, just a struggle for me. And so I felt a little bit uncomfortable with it, which is I almost didn't write it down because I was like, no, I can't bring this up. But I was like, well, I'll ask Rita. She knows this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have a full answer for you, but I think there's a couple different ways that we can read this. Um, one, I mean, this could be the humanity of Jesus coming out. Like we know that Jesus is 100% human, 100% divine. And so, you know, in that humanity, maybe he was a little crabby being woken up from his nap, uh, and he just needed um, a snack and a little bit more of a nap, and he would have been <laughs> ready to go. Uh, I think also, to this is speaking to, uh, there's kind of a relationship that we see throughout the Gospels between the disciples and Jesus, where you know, Jesus will tell the disciples stuff, will show them through miracles, the like healing, and will teach them all these things. And uh, he's really entrusting all of this stuff with them so that they can go forth and teach this and lead the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. And so I think um, in that, we do see oftentimes like this uh, breakthrough of Jesus getting a little bit frustrated when the disciples just aren't getting it. Um, and uh, he's, you know, like, I've taught you all these things. I've shown you these things. Like, where is your faith? And, like, getting frustrated in those moments. Um, so it's like I telling think, the three-year-old for the sixth time that they can't have another cookie when there's a cookie in their hand? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, just like talking it, talking through and, you know, like a parent getting frustrated, like you were saying, like a parent yeah. getting frustrated of like, I, how many times do I have to tell you before you're going to get it? That like, I am like Jesus, I'm the son of God. Like, these are the things that are going to happen. Like you should have faith in this. Um, uh, which we can parallel back to, you know, even in the Hebrew scriptures, like God, we see uh, there's a lot of times when God's like, I'll make these promises with you, but these are the things that you need to do. And then the Israelites break it. And God's like, I told you, like, this is what you're supposed to do. But you know what? I am angry. But yet at the same time, like, I'm, a you know, like the loving parent, the loving. Uh, so like, even if you're angry in that moment, it doesn't mean that there's any less love there. Um, and it doesn't mean that there's any less like, care there. Um, and so I think this is almost like a wake up, pay attention moment um, rather than a, um, oh, we can't turn to God in our moments of fear and anxiety because God's just going to be mad. I don't think that that's really the point. I think it's more just like, hey, pay attention. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And I, I'm drawing parallels here because so – like you were saying, going to completely switch, switch scriptures here for a second. Sorry. But um, okay. I'm remembering back to uh, the sermon that we did at Good Shepherd here in Wisconsin um, about the water and the wine. And Pastor Chris was saying how that's the first miracle. Mm -hmm. um, and then he was showing how there's all these parallels, even in the wording between that one and the crucifixion where it's like after three days and then after three days, that's the, one of the main mm -hmm. ones I remember, but he was kind of pointing out a bunch of these parallels. And now I'm kind of seeing the parallel with where is your faith to the um, actually falling asleep, the disciples falling asleep when Jesus goes to pray mm. and basically like, yeah. could you not watch? Right. And, you know, again, not saying that they did anything wrong, but just their humanness coming out and Jesus being like, 
this is what you need to do and just you're not doing it. So I think that's, yeah. it's kind of cool to see that parallel too. So yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Oh, and I really like what you said about it being, you know, a parent of a three-year-old um, where, you know, just because the three-year-old is asking for another cookie or another cookie or crying about one thing or another thing, like it doesn't mean that the parent loves them any less, even if they're frustrated in that moment. I think that's a good um, allegory to that. Yeah. Cool. Uh, which is perfect because it brings us into looking at possible deeper meanings of this text. So we've kind of looked at things that stuck out to us. Uh, and so taking that another step and like going into what could be the deeper meaning. Um, I was looking at uh, this storm and um, kind of the chaos and the fear that's in like invested in all of this uh, as being like calling us back to imagery that we would have seen in the creation narrative. So uh, we know that, you know, in the beginning, like there was this formless void uh, and God's breath hovered over the face of the waters um, and spoke creation into being. And so we see this, you know, very, uh, you know, storm and waves and crashing and uh, chaos, like, and, um, you know, the disciples think that it's like the end of all things because there's no order or anything. And, uh, and Jesus stands up and speaks calm into that and speaks, uh, order into that chaos. Uh, and so I think that, um, there's a little bit of a parallel there. Yeah. Um, and so again, you know, the deeper meaning, I was really, really sitting in, Wallow, wallowing's the wrong word. <laughs> um, like, you can wallow. <laughs> soaking, marinating. There we go. Marinating. There you marinating, go. On, marinating on that, that question of where is your faith, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then they were afraid and amazed. Um, and so I was then also drawing that into the fact, again, that Jesus fell asleep. And so I was thinking about it with through the storms, even when it can feel, you know, that God's not present, you know, because he's sleeping, right? He's not paying attention. He's still there and your faith should still be present and kind of drawing that Mm. parallel with it as well. Mm. Another uh, thing that when I was reading about this passage and things that come up for people in this passage was a um, resource put out by the ELCA for using this passage during a creation series on Sunday. And so in that they talked about storms being the cries of creation uh, in that creation is crying for justice and from the air and the clouds and the sky cries from our fellow creatures um, deserted and dying and that uh, Jesus Christ, like calling for Jesus Christ to make our faith sensitive to the groans of the spirit and creation, groans for longing for a new creation um, coming out of that, which I thought was an interesting interpretation of it. That wasn't where I was necessarily going with it, but I just thought that um, it was interesting to bring up and bring into this. Yeah. I think just in general to thinking about, you know, in the larger context of all these stories of the miracles that, you know, happened throughout Jesus's ministry. Um, 
in life and it's just really cool seeing how how the stories portray Jesus is almost like I know what's going to happen with it mm -hmm. and so it's it's just interesting where you know it's like okay did Jesus fall asleep again was it he just needed a nap and he woke up cranky or was he like almost was it almost like more of a plot of like you know it's almost a reminding me of like that again back to the the three-year-old thing of like uh oh gosh a long time ago i read something where a parent said that they told their kid that they emit a beeping noise when they're sleeping so they could tell when their kid was faking <laughs> because their mm -hmm. kid would be like in the car and like pretending to be asleep and go beep <laughs> <laughs> because they thought that that's what they did when they slept <laughs> to make it up so it's like you know yeah i'm sure he was actually sleeping but it's just interesting kind of wondering how much was like reacting to situations and how much of these were like, you know, known almost ahead of time kind of mm -hmm. a thing, you know, did, uh, did Jesus wake up that day going like, all right, today's the day we're going out on the boat and I'm going to calm the storm kind of a thing. And so it's just, yeah. Uh, makes you kind of play into that whole part of, uh, you know, the, the grand plan of everything, you know, kind of just, I don't know, something else to reflect on. Yeah. No, I mean, I think you're hitting on the tension between the humanity of Jesus and the divinity of Jesus. And, um, you know, we th want to think of God as having a grand plan for everything. And so, you know, Jesus being fully divine would have a sense of what that plan is. Uh, but yet, um, because Jesus is incarnate and uh, meaning that, you know, Jesus is made man, made human. Uh, that means that Jesus is also of the world. And so is like of, uh, you know, the needs of hunger and sleep and being thirsty and having a headache and uh, all of the little things that we run up against that you know, I don't, I don't know that God has a headache. Maybe God's really frustrated with what humanity's doing. Um, but well, he's at least tired know, and cranky sometimes. Oh yeah. You know, maybe. Um, and so kind of that tension between like these grand plans and these grand schemes and these grand pictures of what's going to happen in places where, um, the story is going to go, but then also running up against these like really earthly needs, uh, that um are kind of causing tension between that like you know if jesus didn't have to sleep would this story have happened i don't know <laughs> yeah so it's kind of a interesting thing to think about in that tension mm -hmm. so moving on to our third section of our lectio divina and this is where we look at contemplation and so uh, as part of that we think about what is stirred up in our own lives from this passage uh, and so for me, uh, I think the most prominent thing right now is uh, obviously we're facing another wave of COVID with Omicron. And I know that everyone is so tired of talking about COVID. I'm tired talking about COVID and hearing about COVID and thinking about COVID. Um, but in that, just thinking of this like storm and these waves of COVID, um, I really was reading in this beginning part of just the uncertainty of what's going to happen and like, um, you know, wanting to have faith that we're going to make it through this and that we're going to, um, 
see the other side eventually and whatnot. But sometimes in those waves, it's really hard to see that other side because like you can't even see the shore. So like you don't know where you are and it's really disorientating uh, and trying to make the best decisions in that moment of, do we wake up Jesus? Do we not wake up Jesus? Like, how is Jesus even sleeping through this like right now? Um, and, uh, and so I, for me, it, I was really stirred up in thinking about, um, those similar feelings that the disciples might have had in that time of not knowing and not being able to see where they were going, um, as in our time of, uh, going through COVID again and again. Yeah, and I guess for me, one of the things that was stirred up a lot was the comfort of God um, and just, like, the Mm -hmm. presence. Um, There was a day, I think it was last week, where I just was having a day, and I just, I didn't want to do anything, and I was like, the whole world sucks, I'm terrible, (laughs) I'm not worth anything, and I got in my car, and and I'm going to forget, I have it, my car... Is on the um, local Christian rock station, and it's like sometimes I listen to podcasts on my phone or whatever. But like that's always on in the car if I mm-hmm. don't change it from something else. And whatever song was on, I just remember saying something about like trust in Him and something along those lines. And I just remember, like, not that it made my whole day better, but it just kind of took everything and just allowed me to breathe again. And I just kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. <sighs> took a big breath and it, you know, it didn't get rid of everything, but it, it definitely like calmed a lot of all of the stuff that was just making me grumpy and angry and negative thoughts and feelings and just kind of comforted, brought it all down. And so it's just, I really felt that connection of calming the storm mm-hmm. a lot. No, I, I would agree with that. I would definitely feel similar in a lot of times uh so as a person um I've been diagnosed with anxiety and so as a person living with anxiety and um you know that's a real factor in my daily life and how I approach things and whatnot uh you know there's times when that can feel very much like a storm that I'm running up against and like uh, sometimes I know what's triggering my anxiety. Sometimes I don't know what's triggering my anxiety. And so that can be really frustrating in that moment too, of like, um, you know, I can imagine here, the disciples maybe thinking that they did something wrong. Like, if, you know, like I said, uh, they were, you know, these fishermen who have been used to reading the weather and used to being on the boat. And so, you know, they set off on this boat and all of a sudden the storm comes in, like if they thought that they did something wrong in that, oh, we shouldn't have gone out on the boat and uh, we should have been able to read this better and, like, where did the storm come from and that kind of thing. Um, Like, I could see anxiety stirring up in that. So, like, not only is there a physical storm, but also just this emotional storm going on, um, like you were alluding to, Kara. And, uh, yeah, and that that presence of God helping us to just take a breath and... um, calm that storm internally so that we can focus on stuff externally um, or calming stuff externally so we can focus on stuff internally uh, and trusting in like God being present through all of that, like through that storm um, and through that calm too. Yeah. And so, yeah, if we look Uh, at, Oh, (laughs) sorry. 
No, it's okay. <laughs> no, yeah, you can carry on. I was yeah. going to transition to the next thing, and I think that's where you were going. That's so. exactly where I was going. So if we start looking like at we're on the same line. that meaning kind of within our own lives, um, you know, I know you know this, Rita, but my life is coming up on an impending storm here in the next six yeah. months where um, just the nature of working in biology and the head of my lab is retiring, which means that I lose my funding and my job in the end of June. And so I'm looking for a new job. And I'm also mm-hmm. kind of grieving the loss of my coworkers and the lab that I've been a part of for the last six years. And mm-hmm. also in there trying to plan a wedding for October and all mm-hmm. of the chaos that comes with that, especially in the wave of COVID where, you know, it's we don't know what it's going to look like and we're just doing the darn best that we can. And so, you know, again, all those things can pile up and there's some days where I'm like, I got this. I'm good. Like, I can handle Mm -hmm. it. Nothing's going to bring me down. And then there's other days like yesterday where it's like, haven't heard back from any of my jobs yet and applications yet. And it's like, oh, well, I really need to get like three more things done this week for the wedding. But like, this isn't working and that's not working. And it's just like, you know, it just starts to build and build and build and that storm can come through. And so again having to know that uh god is there too to scream at the the storms right yeah you know, not even just scream at me scream at the storms right yeah and then so you know it's it's one of those things that it's not like i'm gonna sit on my couch eating potato chips and a job's gonna fall on my lap because the divine goodness of god like i gotta still fill out the applications and stuff but yeah knowing too that you know, if I apply for a job and I don't get it, that maybe there's more out there for me. And so just knowing that Mm -hmm. God is there and everything's going to be okay. And so just, uh, yeah, all the storms that are coming and just, uh, I think again to the song, I'm going to forget who it's by, but it's the one that's breathe, just breathe and then come and rest Mm -hmm. at my feet and be, Mm -hmm. just be chaos calls, but all you really need is to just breathe. I like that a lot. And I think that wraps it up well, because I was going to say on a uh, funny, unrelated note, <laughs> I was just thinking of Old Man Yells at Clouds. But <laughs> <laughs> I also thought about that a while ago. But I was like, wait, how old was Jesus at this point? Because wouldn't it have to technically be Young Man Yells at Clouds? Yeah, Young, young Man Yells at Clouds. <laughs> Middle-aged Man Yells at Clouds. <laughs> I mean... Jesus is probably about 33, so if you're going to say middle age, then I feel like I'm going to get old. Uh, there you go. Yeah, but no, I mean, I appreciate you definitely sharing that um, as much as I you know, made a joke after. But oh, I yeah. appreciate you sharing that and that, um, like, and being vulnerable in that moment and talking about the storm of your own life and how you really read yourself into the story, too. Yeah. Which brings us to our final piece of Lectio Divina, and that's invitation. And so what are we being called to do? I like how little behind the scenes that Rita and I do have notes that we're working off of, and we both ignored this one and left it blank. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping something would come out of conversation. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, it definitely did. Like, I mean, invitation of what are being called to do and... I don't know, I just, in my brain, I'm just going back to, I think it's a Chris Tomlin song is the one I'm thinking of. But it's Breathe. 
Yeah. Just breathe. So. No, and I mean, that's really fitting with uh, anxiety stuff, too. Um, for, like, it sounds really weird to say, but uh, breathing is one of the best treatments for anxiety and breathing is one of the things because I think of where it's linked up in your brain and your brain focusing on it even if you sit there the entire time breathing in and out and saying this is stupid this is never gonna work this is dumb I hate this this will never work uh, it actually works it slows down your heart rate and it lowers your blood pressure and it uh, relieves that tension and that stress and it um, you know that fight or flight mode gets turned off just because it's all linked in like breathing is linked in with you know kind of more that reptilian like um primal portion of your brain rather than the um higher level thinking part that's probably causing you to go into anxiety because you're processing through all the stuff uh and so it's um I just find that so fascinating that you can sit there and literally think like, this is stupid. This is never going to work. And it works. Um, yeah. And if we think about, you know, Jesus in this moment, like bringing calm to the storm, like in, you know, like through speaking, through breathing. And if we think about the Holy Spirit being like the breath of God over the waters, like as God was speaking and like speaking that order into chaos, um, I, I really like that connection that we can see God um, present in our very breath. Uh, and and so I think like you really hit on something there of talking about breathing and um, in those moments of stress and anxiety when we just feel like the world is a storm or we feel like ourselves are a storm and like breathing and really like leaning into the presence of God in that breath. Amen. <laughs> Well, that is all I have. Um, so thank you so much, Kara, for diving into this. I hope people enjoyed hearing another voice on this podcast. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll get Kara back on to talk through your other stuff with me at a future date.